Amen. We are, we are in for a, an amazing day today. We got uh, some friends in the house uh, today. Uh, Pastor Reeves Wilder's here. I, don't, I know you didn't want me to give you a shout out, but Pastor Reeves, uh, their church, uh, Hope Valley Church, they're planting. Come on, how many know we're not in competition with other churches in the area? We're part of something called the Ark, which we're better together. We believe that. We're in relationships together. And so you guys know Reeves. You've heard of him. And we've had him up on our platform before. And he's going to be planting, we're hoping, in September around in there. So we're championing you guys, man. So so thankful for your friendship and just what you're going to do in this city. Uh, They're going to be meeting in Central High School. I heard that today. And so... Um, love you guys so much, man. And then, and then one of my good friends is here, a friend of the house. Um, he's going to be bringing the word today. Uh, Dan Olerking, he, um, we've known each other for about 10 years now. My wife has, has known him for a lot longer back to Louisiana. And um, uh, Pastor Dan, he leads really several organizations. He, he leads in the ARC organization, which we're a part of. He's over pastoral engagement. He's really a, a friend of pastors and a champion of the local church. Huge, the, most, the biggest encourager you'll ever meet. And so he encouraged me for years. Um, he, he came into our facility today and was like, man, this is a long way from the, your little, where you guys were behind that grocery store years ago. And so he's, he's seen our whole entire journey. So at ARC, he champions us and pastors and you and uh, just really encourages us. And then uh, he's, he's part of a ministry and leads a ministry his family started called Children's Cup and you support that every month so we give finances every month to Children's Cup and uh, you'll hear more about that today and in the lobby there's a table where you can actually uh, really build a relationship with a child in in Latin America and uh, all the children at the table out there are from one area so we can visit we can get to know when we take trips and things like that you'll hear more about that but would you give a great Transformation Church welcome stand to your feet give a great Transformation Church welcome to my good friend Dan Olerking come on man thank you for being here brother Man, this is my first time to be in church in a long time, so it feels really good. And then to have Emery Quince leading worship, I'm like, that's my favorite. Oh my goodness! I was like, I was like, is it just because I haven't been in church in forever? I'm like, oh no, it's Emery up there wailing, and I'm, I'm just, God, that last song. I was like, I had to figure out who wrote that. I thought that was you and Crystal wrote that or something. I'm like, well, somebody else gets credit for that one, but man, that's. It's really good, though, to be in God's presence together. Like, that, that just, it's so cool. I, you know, not like you forget, but you, when it's been a while, I don't know, how many, weeks, how many weeks have you guys been back? This is your third week back. How many of you, this is your first time back into a, into a church building? Anybody besides me? Are oh, we going to have a little, there you go. Woo-hoo. Now, I'm a big fan of church online, too. Now, but here's the deal. After what I just experienced, I decided I would wear a hazmat suit if I had to to get to church. Like, whatever. I'm, I'm getting in that. So I was uh, one of my last roles on staff at a church. It has nothing to do with it being my last role, but it was uh, online pastor. And um, I love what online ministry can do. I love that it can reach places. And I love that the church now, because of these COVID-19 shutdowns and stuff, we have, um, by, by and large, we've discovered the value of being able to do ministry online. Like, that's where, when you look at Jesus' example, he went where people were hanging out. That's our 2020 version of that, is people are hanging out in social media and hanging out on Facebook, hanging out online. So, yeah, let's do church there. Let's do church. Let's do real relationship online. But it's really still cool to be able to do this, too. (laughs) So uh, I'm excited about that. And Pastor Jamie and Sandra, you you guys are, Sandra's up there reminding me uh, how, like, we, we go further back than the 10 years that Jamie and I have known each other. But I'm, like, I'm goofy. I don't, I don't remember stuff way far back, most of, some of it, but um, she was, yeah, it, it's just, I feel like this is family, and part of it is, I've, I've went to the little tiny place before, 
Uh, part of it is you guys are, was it uh, the 12th church that ARC launched? Was it Mountain, Mountain Ridge? Mountain Ridge Church, 12th church that ARC launched. So your story has been a part of ARC for almost 900 more churches being planted, which is crazy. You guys have been a part of all those. And we have about 100 more churches in the pipeline right now. Reeves and them are one of those churches in the pipeline of various levels. I mean, not all of them, we're not going to launch 100 churches in September. Uh, I think there was 30 or 40, but those keep changing because the you know, world that we're in, it's just what you do. But we've got about 100 more churches in the pipeline that are coming along. And that's just really cool because that's, what, that's how people meet Jesus. They get in, in with the church community that does that. So I'm excited for Reeves and them planting. That's really awesome. I really love the fact that this church is not seeing that as, a, ooh, somebody else coming to town. They're going to take our people. No, it's like we're, we're, you're here to pastor this city. You're here to pastor this city, not just this church. So let's win people to Jesus. There you go. Um, so one of the coolest things about ARC that I, I'm, and I'm not here just to talk about ARC. I'm really not here just to talk about Children's Cup. I'm going to talk about Jesus. But one of the coolest things about ARC that I, that I know, and this number is really hard to come up with, so we've come up with a really conservative uh, way to express it. Uh, this number I'm about to tell you is way short of the reality. But all of the 900 plus churches that ARC has launched in 2019, those churches gave $20 million to missions. I'm like, that's, that's a really cool investment. When you guys give in the offering here, some of that goes to help somebody like Reeves plant a church. And that's not just, that's worth it right there. But those people that come to Reeves Church, eventually one day, chances are they're going to give in an offering and they're going to be given to missions. And I'm, I'm like, I love missions. I grew up, my parents were missionaries. And in fact, 28 years ago, they started Children's Cup. They were missionaries my whole life. And then God called them to start this thing. In fact, today, where's, where's the camera that I'm on? I need to look in it because my mama is, is, this is her 80th birthday today. Yes. Um, she's, uh, she's amazing. She and dad started Children's Cup 28 years ago with the dream in their heart to feed three or 400 kids and tell them about Jesus. I thought, you know, I remember them going through that. Just thinking, my dad had run big ministry organization, like feeding, p- building schools in 105 countries. He did ministry in over 100 countries. And um, so he'd seen the big, but then when they, they left and God called them to start Children's Cup, their dream literally was we want to be able to feed three or 400 kids and tell them about Jesus. And it was great. It stretched them. They took all their credit cards and did everything they could to get this thing started. Well, now 28 years later, there are about 10,000 kids in six countries with about 55 care points or centers where these kids are ministered to. And they're not just being fed. They're being told about Jesus, and there's, we're taking care of them body, mind, and spirit. We're taking care of their physical needs, giving them medical checkups, checking on them that way, taking care of their bodies, uh, making sure, obviously, they're being fed, especially during this COVID-19. One of the things you guys have been a really big blessing on us, the way you give, we've been able to not just feed the kids, but send food home with them for their whole family, which is really cool because then now you're reaching into the family. And in uh, some of the care points, we've been able to not just feed them, but we send these Bible lessons home with the kids. And it's a little craft. We're thinking, hey, we're going to tell, keep telling the kids about Jesus while we're feeding them during the shutdowns. And it turns out the whole family gets involved in doing the craft and reading the Bible lessons. So you're like, yeah, this is awesome. So um, it multiplies. But you guys have been a big part of doing that. And we, it's the body. It's the mind. We're helping them with their education. We're helping make sure that they are getting through school. They're, they're learning what they need to learn. And we're, that's an area that we're trying to explore more. How can we be a blessing in the different situations? But then spirit. 
Everything we do, we tie to the local church. I'm a big believer in local church. That's why I'm part of ARC, why I'm, what we do with Children's Cup. We tie it to local churches that are life-giving. Sometimes that means planting a new church. In Honduras, where the, uh, all these kids that are on the, their, their profiles are on the table, they're all in Honduras. And in Honduras, we've been able to plant uh, four new churches during the shutdown, uh, which is really cool because there's people that were in line to, to get a church planted in Honduras. There are four new life-giving churches, and they are tied to either a feeding program that we hope will one day become a care point, or they're tied to a care point so that those kids don't just come and get fed. They don't get, just get healthy and then go on with life. No, they learn about Jesus. They get to grow up in a, in a life-giving community like this in their culture. And that's, that, to me, is what it's all about. It's all about getting them to Jesus. Um, so what we, we do have a, uh, our, our, we say it this way, giving hope, inspiring dreams, and changing worlds. We want to give these kids hope. My dad used to say all the time, hope's name is Jesus. So we give them Jesus, and that's how we give them hope. Uh, but you can't do that if you're not feeding them. You know, they're not going to listen to you if, if they're hungry. So we feed them, we take care of these things, but we give them hope. We inspire them to dream. That was a little bit uh, interesting for me because one of the, when, when it really clicked for me to understand what that meant was I was talking to a little kid in Africa and sitting down with them, which I love. The kids are, kids are awesome. How I many of you have kids in here? Okay, remind yourself. They're awesome. Okay, if they're small, you may need to remind yourself after being shut in for three months with them. You might remind yourself the kids are awesome. Kids are just kids everywhere. Okay, there's, there's a difference with some, though, but in general, kids just want to play. They want to have fun. But this one kid, I love asking kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, and you have all kinds of weird answers. You know, kids are like, kids are crazy. But this one kid I asked, and she looked at me, and she's like, kind of like, what are you talking about? Like, she didn't, language was a little bit of a barrier, so I thought she didn't understand my question. I said, when you grow up, and I had a worker there helping me communicate to her, when you grow up, what do you want to be? And she just had this blank look like, I've never thought about that. And I thought, okay, we've got some work to do here. And as, you know, a couple years later, we went back to the same place. And I didn't, it wasn't the same kid, but I know this is the process that happens. I ask a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? And this kid answered, literally said, if I grow up, I want to be a teacher. And I was like, teacher, cool. If, if I grow up, like, what does that mean? But in their world, AIDS is such a big deal. There are orphans, uh, either single or double orphans. And AIDS at the time in Swaziland was 40% of the population had HIV. And, you know, so, yeah, the if I grow up, it's, that's a legitimate way to see the world for that kid. And so but the, the, the beautiful thing is now you go to one of the care points in Africa where we've been doing this a lot longer, those kids are all saying, yeah, when I grow up, I want to be this. When I grow up, I want to do this. When I grow up, I want to be just like my care point facilitator. I want to be like my teacher, you know. That's the inspiring them to dream and for me, the other part, change, giving hope, inspiring dreams, changing worlds. The changing worlds, it's really cool that we get to go do stuff. We get to, you know, you guys give money to Children's Cup. It helps us do all these programs and things. But ultimately, the win is when those little kids grow up and they change their world from the inside out. When, that, when a little kid from a care point grows up to go be pastor of a church in another community, when a little kid grows up from a care point that came for food, and it comes up and decides, you know what, God's called me to be a missionary to another country. Or God's called me to start a business that's going to change the economy of my community. Or God's called me to lead my community, to become mayor, to become the leader of my, my city. That's going to happen with these kids. That's the kind of stuff that we're inspiring them to dream because we're giving them hope. We're giving them Jesus. We're helping them see that there is a future. And then we're 
giving them the, the means to do that. We're helping with getting them jobs and teaching them how to do stuff. So it's really cool to see how they don't just come and get a meal. That's really cool. It starts there, but that's not all there is to it. So um, saying a lot, but this we have these, these cards out there. This is our first time to do touchless child sponsorship. You don't have to pick up a packet and brush through it. That's, everything's right here you need to know. This little thing at the bottom is a, uh, it's a QR code. You can actually take a picture with your phone, and it'll pull up a link for you. And if you have any trouble with that, Michael's back there at the table. Where, where are you at, Michael? I just saw him a minute ago. There he is, waving his hand. He's got the cool hat on. He's the good-looking guy in our duo that travels together. Uh, but Michael will be able to help you if you have trouble with that. But basically takes you to a, a link online where it's, it's about your kid, and you can choose to sponsor that child, fill out a form online. And then um, we encourage you with that when you fill out the form uh, to begin to pray. Really three things. Pray, give, go. It's real simple to remember. Pray, give, go. First one, you sponsor a kid, fill out the form, give us the information. We'll get in touch with you on the how-tos of a lot of, you know, how do you write letters, how do you do stuff like that. But the three things, pray, give, and go. When you begin praying for your child right off the bat, this is a kid who need, we believe that's a huge part of this thing, just as much as the $39 a month, that it, the financial part of this, the praying part is just as big. That's why it's first. Pray for your child. And write letters. Sometimes writing a letter with a prayer in it is the best way to do it. You just pray, but write that prayer down and, and send that to the kid. Um, and then give. It's 39 a month. That helps run the whole care point. We make sure that we have some care points. We'll have 200 kids there, but 100 of them are sponsored. Well, we're taking care of all 200 kids. You know, we're making sure we're doing that. So your giving helps make that work. And then go. Like Pastor Jamie said, you know, with this, this community in Honduras that all these kids are from, the one it's called Nueva Suyapa. You guys, my prayer is that, that that term isn't foreign to you anymore after this. Like Nueva Suyapa is a community that these kids are all from the same place. And here's the big need there is the kids, when they become about 12, 11, 12, 13 years old, they're all faced with this life choice, which is early in life to be making this life choice. But it's do I go run with the gangs or do I do something with my life that God has intended? And you think about it, even here, if a kid's faced with that kind of choice, I mean, it's, it's, they don't understand the gravity of it. Same is true there. You know, they, they need to understand the weight that God has a dream for them. God has a purpose for their life. They don't have to go run with all the other. So that's what we teach them, um, and that's where it's important for you to go uh, on those trips. And when you go, it, it, if you sponsor a child and you go on a trip, you get to meet that child. That is one of the most memorable, remarkable, life-changing experiences you'll ever have. It's crazy. You think, oh, well, you know, it's just just meeting a kid, but, man, I'm telling you, it, it, it'll, it'll rock your world. Um, okay, so choose a kid, you know, choose a card, take a picture of the QR code, fill out the form, and then keep, you get to keep the card. That'll be a reminder for you. You get to keep the card. Don't take a card and not fill out the form because then we don't know if that kid's sponsored or not, and then we, we can't really sponsor them until we find out for sure. So leave the card unless you sponsor. If you sponsor, take the card, and then if you want to do it online, those of you that aren't here in the building, if you want to uh, sponsor a kid online, you can do that. You go to childrenscup.org slash transformation. It's a special link we set up for you guys. And again, in there, make sure you choose a kid from Nuevo Suyapa um, so that you get everybody's sponsoring kids at the same place. We can make it easy when you go on a trip. Everybody see your kid. All right, let's, uh, let's jump into the message I've got, which I believe is like a life message for me. I've, I've preached and I pretty much have one message, so don't invite me back or you'll hear the same message. Um, the, uh, it's just about trusting God. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for these songs that we got to sing this morning to remind ourselves how amazing you are. You are incredible. Your love for us is unfailing, and that blows my mind sometimes because I know me. 
and you know me, and you choose to love me anyway. God, I thank you that you are able to be trusted, that you are the almighty God we sang about. And uh, I pray you would rattle us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I think um, there is one thing that can fix everything. You know, you look at there's a lot of trouble in the world. You know, COVID-19, the racial tensions. Uh, you know, I had a, right in the middle between all the, the this stuff, there was a friend, of my, a close friend of mine that committed suicide. And he was a pastor. He was a minister. And um, it was it's just, you know, one thing after another. Tough, tough, tough. Just you know, and that's not like one's done, then the other comes along. No, they just pile on top. And life is full of trouble. But I think there's one thing that I, this is what I want to talk about today that can fix everything. Now, it sounds oversimplified. You know, it sounds like, wow, man, that'd be great. You know, why don't you write a book? Because if it's that easy, just, you know. But it really, when you think about the word trust, when we trust God, it does fix everything. Now, we still have to wear masks. We still have this virus going on but it fixes me in the middle of the storm when I choose to trust God. That's the whole message right there. Thank you very much. No, it's, that's, that's the whole point. If we, if we just choose to trust the almighty creator that he's got this worked out, he knows what's going on, we just choose to trust him, it fixes everything. It doesn't mean that it's, everything's uh, going to be easy, but it fixes everything, my position in, in life. So here's, here's one thing. I, I, I watch, I've got five kids. So my wife and I, we have a 29-year-old. She's married, lives in Louisiana. We've got our one grandson, um, which is amazing, Cosmo Blue Townley. I love you. Um, I, know, I live in California, so I don't get to see him much. But, um, so then we've got four boys after that, and, you know, 25, 20, and two 16-year-olds. The 25-year-old's married. The 20 and 16 twins are living at home still. So we watch a lot of movies. We watch a lot of, we've come through watching all the Avengers movies and all that, and we play a lot of Mario Kart. That's just the way life is, and my oldest son works at Pixar, so we're big Pixar fans. So that's our life, you know? And um, we, so I, a lot of my way I think kind of pulls out of these movies. For example, talking about trusting God, how it fixes everything, it makes us invincible, when you can trust God, when you can genuinely put your trust in God fully, there's an invincibility that you get. It's like the Hulk, straight up, okay? I'm, I'm sorry, if you're not moviegoers, I apologize, but this is where I'm going today. Um, you know, when the, there's one scene in one of the Avengers movies where he's, he's on top of a building and all these fighter jets are hovering and shooting him. You know, there's bullets just bouncing off. That's kind of what we get to be like when we have trust in God. All the enemy's darts can be thrown at us, I'm sure it, you know, it still hurts. I think if you ask the Hulk, I think those bullets still hurt. I mean, you can't really ask him because he's CG. but um, <laughs> It still hurts, but it doesn't destroy you. I think another, like Mario Kart. Anybody play Mario Kart? That's like the best video game in the world ever. Okay. If you haven't played it, I encourage you to go play it. Mario Kart. It's just a little racing game. Um, but there's a little prize you can get that's a star. So when you're racing and all these guys are throwing shells at you or bombs, trying to blow you up, knock you off the road and stuff, you get this little star, and it makes you invincible. You just blow through people. You just, you're on the road, and as long as you stay on the road, you're good, you know? That's, that's what trusting God is like. It's just you swallow something. You're like, you know what? Throw at me what you may. I'm going to be all right. Violet in the, in the uh, Incredibles. Anybody know who Violet is in the Incredibles? She's the daughter. She's got this thing where she finally figures it out and at the end of the first. Sorry, spoiler. 
If you haven't seen it yet, shame on you. But she does this thing that's a force field that kind of just protects the whole family when the car's dropping on them. You know, it's just or whatever plane, I guess it was. She's holding this force field up, protecting the whole family. That's what our trust in God is for us. In fact, Psalm 91 backs it up. says, he is my God, my fortress, my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. He is my fortress. He is my refuge. Trust is our protection. Psalm 18, I love that chapter. It's a long one. I'm not going to read it to you here, but Psalm 18, if you ever wonder if God will rescue you, that's an intense one. It, It talks about God making the skies dark, and he's like, it's an angry God coming to rescue I encourage you for real. Before you go to sleep tonight, read Psalm 18. It will encourage you like anything else. You're like, God's saying, I got your back. Is that messing with you? I got you. I'm coming. And I'm going to kick somebody. You know, it's like, he, <laughs> I can't say it the way I want to say it, but um, <laughs> that's, that's my God. He's like, he's like having a big brother. Anybody if you have an older sibling that was kind of like that? If somebody's messing with you, they're going to punch him in the throat. That's, that's kind of the picture Psalm 18 gives me. God will rescue us. Romans 8.28 God always has a plan when we're in trouble. In fact, he has a plan before the problem. You ever read those bumper stickers that says, I'm not, you know, uh, I'm all right because God's already working on it? Like, I don't think God's working on my problem. I think God already knew the answer before I had the problem. I think when he said, let there be light, he knew I was going to be doing something stupid, and he already had it figured out. God always has a plan before the problem, and he's working it. God's plan wins. Think about Gethsemane. Jesus prayed a prayer at Gethsemane that I was just like, I said, man, if there's any way to get around this, Lord, Father, if I can get out of this, this happening this way, what's in front of me, if there's any other way, man, let me, let, let me, let me do that. But then he prayed that little part that sometimes I wish he hadn't. I'm glad he did because that's how we got to go to heaven and everything. But sometimes I'm like the example of saying, but not what I want. I want what you want. I want your way because it wins. If he had somehow found a way out of doing the cross, then he wouldn't have won. We wouldn't have victory. We wouldn't get to win. And how many times, thank God that the Father did not answer Jesus' prayer with a yes. You know? Think, how many times, if you look back at your life, man, if God had answered that prayer, <laughs> I'd be in trouble. And so don't get mad when you think, you know, God should have said yes. God didn't answer my prayer. Well, he did answer. He just said no. Or maybe he didn't say anything because you didn't really want the answer you thought you did. Thank God, because he's got a bigger plan than we do. God brings purpose to our pain. Some of you, I would bet, this uh, COVID-19 thing has been really painful. Lost jobs, just the fear of losing a job, don't know what's up, got loved ones who've been sick with the virus. Don't know. I mean, any any number of things with the, the racial situation going on. I know there's a lot of pain. That's real. There's no way around it. It's real and it's messed up. But God doesn't waste our pain. He has called us. He, it's not an accident that you are the age you are in 2020. He said, I need that person in the world at 2020 to be able to navigate through this. He wants us in this. He wants us to be able to navigate through this pain to help each other. God never, ever wastes our pain. He never wastes our tears. There's always a purpose to it. God has a huge plan for your life. I know that's nice, cool words to say, cute words to say, you say to your kids at graduation. God's got a big plan for your life. It's real. It's very real. God has a purpose he wants for you. If he didn't, I think he'd just take you on to heaven because heaven's so much better, and he wants us with him. 
So why would he not just take us on to heaven right now? Because there's something he needs us to do here. And it's to get somebody else to heaven. That's it. I can't figure out anything else. Uh, there's really no other reason why it's better for me to stay here. Paul said it's better for me to stay than to die and go be with Jesus. Why is it better to stay? Because there's somebody else that needs to know about Jesus. That's the sum total of why we live on this earth. I'm convinced of that. Now, that sounds it's real easy to say when you've got bills you've got to pay and you're worried about it and you've got dreams of doing this or that. and All that is cool. All those things matter. But everything about our lives it ultimately points to are we pointing people to Jesus? If we trust him to let his purpose be first in our lives, then we find true life. Trust him to let his purpose be first. I am not a natural truster. Anybody uh, like good at worrying, like skilled? I've got 54 years of being a good, I know how to worry. I can worry something, I can worry this paper into a ball. Uh, it, it, is, it just comes natural to me, and I don't know why. It's, it's something, um, I am better about it now, and I'm, I'm going to share a story with you as to why. But um, when I was in sixth grade, I missed, I think it was five months of sixth grade because I was sick with stomach problems based on worry, stress, worry, fear. I don't even know what I was afraid of. I just worry. I worry about being sick. I'm like, oh, now I'm sick, so I'm going to worry about that, and then I'll get myself more sick, and then I'm worried. And um, now, to be fair, in fifth grade, I had 11 months of fifth grade because we lived in the Philippines, and we moved back to the U.S., and my parents actually pulled me out early because the school years were off. So I still did all the school I was supposed to. Um, but those, the worry, finally, in that, in that time, the verse, uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 in the Living Bible says, don't worry about anything, pray about everything, tell God your needs, and don't forget to thank him for his answers. And it goes on, and that was, that, that was a break for me. Just, just don't worry about anything, just pray about everything. Tell God your needs, and thank him for his answers. It was so simple, and for my sixth grader mind, that's what I needed. But it didn't stop me from worrying. I just got through that moment, and I went back to, other situations of just being good at worrying. My, my wife, she told me, you know, I get a, I get a bump on my wrist. I'm like, oh, my hand's going to fall off, you know. I just, I take health things way out to an extreme. Anybody like me or am I alone? Like, you, you know, you got somebody, somebody coughs, oh my gosh, they got COVID-19, it's over, you know, get it. I'm good at that. I can do that. Um, and so one of the first times, no, it wasn't the first time, but one of the first times I went to Africa, it was uh, right at the year 2000. My 20-year-old my now had just been born, and um, my wife and I, uh, we prayed about it. felt like I needed to go along with my dad on this trip. Uh, there had just been a, a big storm come through one of the places we were working, and the care point had been flooded. The school has been flooded. There was people actually for several days were living in trees, eating bark off the tree to survive. So it was a bad situation. And so my, my dad was going to check on things and bring some aid and I felt like I needed to go with him. And my wife was like, at first, she was like, she just had this bad feeling about me going, which she doesn't do very often. Most of the time, she's like, yeah, go, let's go. Let's, you need to do it, let's go. She'd come with me if she could. This one, she was like, I really, I really have a bad feeling about this. But she wasn't saying, I need you not to go. It was just one of those weird moments. I'm like, I won't go. If you've got a bad feeling, I'm not going. She's like, eh. So I remember we were in our closet. I don't even know why this. We were in our closet praying, like, like for real, in our closet and I don't even remember why. We were in our closet praying and crying. Felt like God said to go. So I hop on the plane with my dad. And we This is 2000, so there's not like a lot of cell service in Johannesburg. We get to the Johannesburg airport, and uh, I go right up. It's about a 24-hour turnaround from leaving Baton Rouge at the time to Johannesburg. So I get on the phone and I call her because then we're 
heading out to drive all over where we're going. And it's like eight-hour drives every day. And, uh, you know, you don't drive at night. You drive during the day because nighttime it gets scary on the road. So I was like, I'm going to call her one more time before we hit the road. Get on the phone. And we're talking. And she said, so I went to the doctor after I took you to the airport. I went to the doctor yesterday, and he, uh, I had him look at this lump in my neck. I'm like, lump in your neck? Why didn't you ever tell me about this lump in your neck? You know, she's like, well, I just I didn't think it was anything. I'm like, it's something. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm telling her that. She's like, yeah, he said he wants to look at it and wants to, to cut it out and, and do a biopsy on it. I'm like, biopsy, why? She said he wants to make sure it's not cancer. And when she said that word, my whole world fell apart. She said the C word. I was like, Phew. I'm coming back. I'm getting on the plane right now. She's like, he's not going to be able to do it for two more weeks. He's not even cutting it, you know, it's two weeks at least before I see him again. So it doesn't do any good for you to come back. She made me stay. I was like, no, I'm coming back. I'm, I've got these last two weeks with you. I'm going to be here. And she, uh, she's like, no, you stay, you do what you went for, because we know God said to go. So I'm, I'm like, I'm wrecked. I'm like, I'm worth nothing on this trip. I'm baggage to my dad and the, the missionary that was with us. But I'm just, I'm torn up. And like I said, you don't, it was the time in, in Zimbabwe where you just don't drive at night. Like, the car breaks down, you're toast. Just, it's just so much crime, so much horrible situation there. So the way we had to do it, we'd have to drive all day, spend the night in the middle of nowhere uh, at this house like a bed and breakfast kind of thing that we knew about and then drive again the next day to get where we're going every day was this kind of clockwork of driving all day and then get there so we spend the night at this bed and breakfast and um i have this routine i do all the time i take my wedding ring and i put it in my baseball cap when i'm on the field and I put it that's where i keep it well we get in the car we're about an hour and a half down the road for the next day had an eight hour drive it's going to get dark in about eight and a half hours and now we're an hour and a half into this drive, and I realize my ring is not on my finger. Now I'm like, oh, yeah, this is God telling me she's not going to make it. You know, like I, I've been married, and this, this is it. She's got this lump. Doctor said it might be cancer. It is. It's, it's done. It's done. It's not, just don't need the ring anymore. I was like, I was distraught. It's funny now, but, man, I was in the backseat of that car just like, oh, this is terrible. And so I said something to uh, to the guy, the missionary that was driving, and he said, he didn't even say anything. He just turned around. I'm like, oh, great. Now we're going to die on the road. We're all going to be dead. It's like, fine. You know, I'm like, I'm like, just everything about it was bad. Eeyore, that was me. Everything's terrible. I was Eeyore. And so I'm, I, everything's falling apart in my world at that moment. And in the back of my mind, though, I kept hearing God say, trust me. Just trust me. I've got you. And trust me. Trust me. Over and over. But my worry was still so much louder. I had fed that dog a whole lot more than I'd fed the trust God dog, you know. I had, I had fueled that. And so screaming in the other ear was, this is bad. This is going to be bad. This is the story you'll tell about losing your wife to cancer. And I'm like, oh. So we turn around, and I'm thinking, this is, this is terrible. It's a terrible decision. We get there. We, we pull around. the. It's a dirt road, so you, the, they can see us coming. And um, we round the corner. I'm telling you, this is, this is, it freaks me out still to think about it. Round the corner. I'm like, okay, first of all, this is a 1988 wedding ring. Okay. It's got, it's got gold, but it's like a little flimsy gold. And because we were broke, you know, it was like a $300 ring, which I thought was amazing expensive, uh, which for now, <laughs> whatever. But it had five little tiny diamonds on it. I'm like, man, we are splurging here, baby. You know, five little tiny diamonds. And you know the ring. Anybody got a 1988 ring on? Like a 1988 wedding band? Any guys? Okay. Good. Good Good call. Do one of these. 
Um, this like 30 bucks. Um, but so I, I'm, I'm thinking, man, this ring's gone. We round the corner, and there's literally, there's a guy standing there about probably 20 years old, and he's standing in the, in the, the opening area, just like, just standing there like this. And I was like, hmm, they saw us coming, whatever. I get out of the car, you know, the car's not even stopped. I'm sliding the door open. I'm getting out. I'm like, hey, look, I left, and he just does this number. Just holds his hand out like, yeah, I knew you were coming for it. And my ring's in his hand. And I'm, I was just like, oh, and back of my mind, I heard God saying, trust me. But I was like, I was just like, oh, man, thank you so much. I wanted to bear, scared him to death because I'm like bear hugging him and all this. And I took all the money out of my pocket and gave it to him. It was like 100 bucks, which for him was like, oh, my goodness. I took it all out, gave it to him. And I'm like ready to hop back in the car. And I get to the car and I turn around and I said, I got to know your name. What's your name? <laughs> this is the honest truth. He said, my name is Trust. I was like, okay, God, I get it. I get it. And I, I got back in the car, and I was like, I was just weeping. Like, God, I, I've got to choose to trust you. I have to choose to. So we go back on to the, finish the trip, get back home. We'll go to the doctor. They do the surgery, cut this, you know, do a biopsy and, and find out it's not cancerous. It's good. So I'm like, okay, great. You know, we passed that test. I learned how to trust God through something. And I preached that message for years until about 2018, about two years ago, my wife goes to the doctor and he says, you got this uh, thing in your, in your lung, we need to do a scan, we figure out what it is. And it turns out it's cancer. And so, but when the doctor told us, this is the big difference, when I lost my ring, when my wife said cancer to me over the phone in Johannesburg, my world fell apart. I'm sitting next to her though in 2018 at the doctor's office, the oncologist's office, he says, yeah, it's cancer. We were like, Okay. Like there was such a difference. We looked at each other. He stepped out of the room. We looked at each other and said, why aren't we freaking out? You just had an oncologist tell you this is cancer. We said, we, God's got it. We trust him. Turns out there was, they, they cut that out of her and she's good. But in the scanning for that, they found three other spots were cancer. They cut those out. She's good. Then like uh, last year, they found in her, she had a hysterectomy in the middle of all that. And then after the hysterectomy, they did a scan and they found this one came out of nowhere in her ovary. So they go cut that out. All these cancers they found, they've been able to just cut out, but they were like, we don't understand why all this is happening, so let's do chemotherapy. And that was the one thing we were like, we didn't really want to have to do. Because it's anybody been through chemo, you know it's, it's rough. Well, she did that. She did chemo. And she's got real short hair now, but she's alive and she's kicking. And like, I'm like, God, you got this. God is just through the whole thing. I'm just telling you all that, not just to share my story, which I think is valuable, I, but I think it's, if you just, it changes everything. We, we find, a, let's see if I can find where I put this down. When you choose to surrender and trust God, it's like a brain freeze ending. You know, when you eat too much ice cream and all of a sudden it, the brain freeze finally goes away, you're like that relief. Or it's like losing a bunch of weight which I'm on the track to do now because I gained so much the last three months. These were baggy pants before. Um, but when you lose weight, I've done it before. I lost 40 pounds in six months one time, and I'm like, man, I feel so free. It's like taking the weight off. And sometimes it doesn't happen instantly, but the more you trust God, the more weight you're shedding. It makes you lighter on your feet. The more you tr trust God, the more life you'll experience. We watched the, I don't know if you guys have seen it, the video of the guy that... Um, uh, he puts these glasses on. He's colorblind, never seen color. He puts it. Anybody watch that video? Anybody watch that video and not cry? 
like for real, you're, you're, you're stone-hearted. Um, he, he puts these glasses on. He's like, I'm not going to cry. He, he starts boo-hooing. He's like sobbing, a big tough dude. And we were watching this video the other day because I, I thought about it while I was prepping. So I'm, I'm watching it with one of my 16-year-olds. He's like, man, I would never take those glasses off. Like, that's exactly, and I wrote that down. As soon as he said it, I wrote it down. That's the point. Just don't take those glasses off. Keep the lenses of God can be trusted. Keep that on all the time. It will change your life. The more life you'll experience. So how do you do that? How do you trust God? How do you get to the place where you keep those glasses on? First one, read his word a lot and say la a lot. Like stop and think about it. Don't just read it and blow through. Hey, I read the whole Bible in a year. Nah, that's not, that doesn't do you any good if you don't stop and think about it. Read his word and meditate on it. Worship, <laughs> today is a pretty good example of that one for me. Worship, tell God that you trust him and why. Remind yourself why you trust him. Take delight in him, Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Or in this, this version, uh, the New Living says, take delight in the Lord and you will, he will give you your heart's desires. That doesn't just mean to give you whatever you want. I think he'll, it's meaning I'll put desires in you for what I want to give you. What a better way to be. I don't know what I need. If Jesus wanted to somehow bypass the cross, he's praying that prayer, but then he said, nevertheless, not what I will, I want what you want, then I'd rather be in that spot. God, you come up with what you want to give me. Ephesians 3.20, God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. I used to take that verse, so, so dream big. Now I look at it, say, how about I let God do the dreaming? because he's better at it anyway. So I'm going to trust him with my life. I'm going to trust him with it. And I think the fourth one, ask him to help you with your unbelief. Ask him to help you trust him. Mark 9, 23, 24, there was a father who came, his son was sick. And Jesus said, I can heal him. And this guy said, well, I, you know, the guy said, if you're, if you're willing or if you're able to, can you do something? And Jesus said, hey, I, what do you mean if I'm, if I'm able to? And the guy said, I believe, just help my unbelief. Help me with this. And so he prayed and Jesus helped him out. Uh, keep reminding yourself about eternity. That's the last one. Keep reminding yourself about eternity. Devote your life to helping others spend that eternity in heaven. It changes everything. That's the lenses to have. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the fact that you are trustworthy. You are able to be trusted. We can devote our entire lives, rest in you. I pray you draw us close into you. I know it's so much easier to trust you the closer I am to you. So God, I pray you draw us close into you. I pray you'd remind us that the reason you've got us here is bigger than anything else. It's heaven. It's about helping others get to heaven. You've got an interest in us. You care about us. You care about our day-to-day. -day, but you really want us in heaven. God, thank you for your grace on us. Help us today to trust you in Jesus' name. Come on, give it up for Pastor Dan. Thank you, bro. Awesome, man. i got to get on the top step to reach you, bro. Come on, stand to your feet with me. How many of you could use a little more trust today? Put on some trust glasses. I love that. Let's not take them off, okay? Let's put on some trust. Listen, and remind yourself what he's done for you. Remind yourself how good he is, but also what he's already accomplished for your life. I want to take a minute just real quick and pray for you. If you've never given your life to Christ, some of you in this room, you might not have ever trusted Jesus for your salvation. Don't check out on me right now. Come on, church. This is the most important reason we're here. We're talking about reminding ourselves of eternity. Everybody in this room might not be ready for eternity. 
And again, if you're here, I, I, there's no judgment. There's no, there's no, uh, nothing you can do to make yourself better. No one's looking down on you. It's just about, about saying, Jesus is my hope. I need Christ. I need him for eternity. I need him for a relationship with God. 2,000 plus years ago, Jesus died on a cross, paid for all of our debt, all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our mistakes, not so we could be good people, so that we could be alive people, that he could make us actually alive from the inside out. He nailed that to a tree and rose from the dead to pay for it and give us a relationship with a God who loves us as a father. And if you're not in that family, if you never surrendered to him, I'm going to pray a prayer right now. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and just close your eyes, no one looking around, and, and if you've never just surrendered and, and trusted in Jesus, come on, listen, hope has a name, it's Jesus. If you've never just said yes to the cross and, and his resurrection and, and become a Christian that way, today's your day. The Bible says it's as easy as this. If you put your trust in Jesus, you get a fresh start in God. And maybe you need a fresh start in God today. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe you're away from God. Maybe you're not serving Him. You know you're not living right. You know you need to come back and trust Him again. Trust Him for your life again. Maybe that's your day to come back right now. This next moment you can do that. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you so much. Thank you for sending your Son, Jesus. Jesus, we give you all the praise and honor. We trust you. We stand on what you did. We believe in you. We confess you. We believe that you are God. You're not a philosophy. You're not, you're not, a, you're not just a, a, a morning, morning reading. You're not, you're not just something we, we say, Lord, we stand on you. We trust you for our life, especially in this turmoil in these times. We trust in you. If you're here in this place, no one looking around. I'm going to count to three, and if you just say, you know what, Jamie, I need you to pray for me. I need a fresh start in God. I want to trust Jesus with my life. I want you to put your hand up to me on three if that's you today. One, two, three. Would you just put your hand up to me? I need a fresh start in God this morning. Anybody in this place, anybody that says, I just need a fresh start. I'm ready to come back to Christ. Maybe you need to come back. Anybody at all. I'd never want to leave without giving you a chance or an opportunity or a moment to do that. Just put it up high so I can... See your hand. Pray for me, Pastor. Today's my day. Come on, God bless you. God bless you. Come on, God bless you, sir. Anybody else? I need a fresh start. I'm ready to actually trust him and surrender. Awesome. Father, you see every heart. You see every hand. I'm going to pray a simple prayer right now. Just pray it from your heart. If you put your hand up, if you didn't and you need to, put your heart up in this prayer right now. No magic in the words. Just, just pray with me from an open heart. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, I trust you for my salvation. I trust you for my life, my eternal life. I trust you to make me alive and to give me a purpose. Remove my heart think of, of stone, a heart of sin, a heart of flesh. Thank you for nailing that to a tree. And I thank you that you give me a brand new heart, the heart of God. I receive your life. I receive your eternal life. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. And I trust you in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, give God praise this morning, guys. Several people saying yes in here to eternity. What an awesome moment. If you did, if you put your hand up and said yes like that, we've got a fresh start area in the back of the room before you go. And we have a prayer team, and we'd love to put that free resource in your hand. If you're a guest with us, come on, thanks for hanging out with us. Come on, give our guests a hand, guys. Thank you so much for being here. It is such an honor to have you. And then we don't pass buckets. We give as we go. There's boxes by the door. You can give online. There's, you can mail it in and all that. There are tables out there in the lobby. We'd love for you to check out the table and uh, sponsor a child. We'd love to be a part of that. So see you next week. Have an amazing day. Be transformation in our city.